I was surprised that you touched me like that But there in your hand was a current of life I could hardly stand to stay still And I didn't imagine it If I did, I'd made some joke of it It was strange how I could feel so sane So plain when you were around Weather Station with the song 30 from their 2017 self-titled fourth album. The Weather Station is the musical vehicle for Tamara Lindemann, and Tamara and her band will be headlining the Roots North Music Festival in downtown Orillia on Saturday, April the 27th. We're pleased to welcome Tamara Lindemann to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to have you join us today. Hi. So we started off with the song 30, the first single from your self-titled album, wasn't it? Yeah. And I get the impression from that song there was a lot of sort of 
you know, I, I checked out a few other interviews you've done, but it certainly seemed to be it was that coming of age to 30. Now, unfortunately, I passed 30 a long while ago. So it's kind of, I feel like saying to people, okay, don't worry, because it gets worse. You know, you get through 30. <laughs> but did you really feel that was a, a big step to, to go through that, um, you know, that change? It seemed like a big deal at the time, for sure. I mean, and that's what's so funny about turning 30 is it's, uh, it feels very hyped, but then you get there and uh, really then you realize your 30s are the best. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I certainly feel like I should go out there and say, make sure you enjoy them because it be, <laughs> won't be that long before you wonder where your 40s went and you're you know, <laughs> heading to the end of your 50s if I don't give too much of the game away. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I think for women especially, there is... There is something, even even in modern day, I mean, there's something about 30. I think, you know, when I was in my 20s, I can't remember how many news reports told me that I needed to have children by the time I was 30, for example. Um, so you feel a lot of that kind of pressure. So I think I think there is a bit more of a symbolic thing for 30 for women. But as I say, once, once I hit 30, it, it seemed like just not a big deal. And now my 30s are great. <laughs> and Which... I'm happier than I've ever been. It's interesting you say that because um, I was reading an article this week that suggested that people actually are not really mature until they're around 30, which, you know, when you think about it, it's like, great. So then all of those things I did and all those bad decisions I made in my 20s are now understandable. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I would say I would say I agree with that to a certain extent. So you've made four albums. Um, Mm -hmm. You're developing a great reputation as a songwriter. Mm -hmm. And I have to be. I have to say, I'm really excited about the fact that you're coming to Aurelia for this Roots North because they have some fabulous acts and it really mm. is kind of going to be like a, I mean, it's it's a celebration of the songwriter for for that two nights for the, the main stage lineup at the festival this year. But I wanted mm. to steer you back to the start because um, I think you grew up outside Shelburne in Ontario, is that right? I did, yeah. So tell me what it was like growing up because, you know, I gather you you started to sing when you were young and you were involved in uh, youth choirs and what have you. But when did you actually start thinking about writing songs? Yeah, that's interesting because I, yeah, when I was a child, I was really immersed in music. I played piano and I sang in choirs. And I. it's funny because I did write songs as a small child and I don't know, I don't have any record of what they were, but I remember being like, I'm writing a song. And that was something I did. And I actually performed one at a talent show that I wish I had record of once again. But then teenagehood happened and it didn't even occur to me to write songs or to be a musician. I mean, there, were, there wasn't any music really happening at my high school. That music that was happening was all dudes. So it kind of passed out of my life. And then I moved to Toronto and started becoming a music fan. Basically, I started going to shows and I was really obsessed with music. And I basically woke up one morning and I was like, I'm going to do this. I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out. And I um, I made a record. It took me like four years, but I made a record at home on my computer. And uh, I basically just like taught myself everything. Like I taught myself to play guitar and I taught myself to record, taught myself to write songs and just sort of like through force of will became a musician. So was that the East EP or was that when you actually brought out the I line? I the line, yeah. yeah. The, the ECP was like a part of that yeah. that record. It was just I kind of put out a few songs because people told me that I should do that, so I did that. And then and then part of them, I think most of the songs wound up on the record. The line. 
Because I, I was interested to find out that you actually acted as well, and you were acting from like the age of 13. And I guess yes. you must be very driven. I mean, would you describe that as being one of your personality traits? Uh, you know, it's funny because I never, I don't think it occurred to me that I was driven, but I've, I've really realized that lately. And, ah, that's what I am. <laughs> that's that thing that keeps me pushing forward. <laughs> yep, I am. So how do you feel the the difference between, you know, acting and, you know, being up on stage or performing and, you know, on film and TV compared to getting up on stage and, and headlining a festival or, you know, a big show, you know, like, you know, going to Roots North, things like that. Do you feel anything similar between those two experiences? Um, No, I mean, I think that they're kind of polar opposites because when I was working in film and television, you know, I never had a lot of power. So, you know, it was really, you know, obedience was what was rewarded. You know, I had to say my lines and hit my marks. And, you know, my interpretation of the character wasn't really, nobody was really interested in that. I mean, it was very much a job of like trying to fit yourself into whatever box was sort of set up for you. Whereas, whereas music for me, I've always done what I wanted to do. And I've never, nobody's really ever told me what to do. So I have, I have total dominion over it. And when I step out on stage, the hard thing about music is, is to be myself. You know, I'm being, I'm trying to find a way to, to perform and, and to be myself. And that's pretty hard. And it's kind of the opposite of acting. I think, I think really good actors find ways to be themselves while performing, but I don't think I was ever that good. So yeah, it's very different. So you don't do any acting at all now? I think it was your mid-twenties you stopped that? Yeah, I stopped a few years ago. So, yeah. So when you decided to become the weather station, I'm always curious <laughs> when people decide that, you know, they don't want to go on the stage as Tamara Lindemann, I'm going to go on the stage right. as the weather station. And, you know, the weather station is also a band. I know you, you play yeah. with other people. But I'm always, always curious as to why people say, well, I'm going to call myself this. What, what, what was your motivation there? Well, I think it was the time, honestly. I mean, I think it was like 2005, probably, that I made up that name to put on MySpace. So at that time, the, where the scene was in Toronto, like nobody played under their name. Like it was sort of like a weird thing to do. Like for, for me to have put out a record as like Tamara Lineman would have been so cheesy. So I just, uh, without meaning to, kind of everybody had a moniker, so I, I had one too. And you feel pretty comfortable with that now? I guess it's stuck. It did stick. I mean, there have been many times over the years that I've been like, I guess now I should start using my name, but there's always a reason why something's built up with the weather station. And as time goes on, I'm mostly just glad I didn't pick a dumb name. I'm glad it, I'm glad it is at least managed to stand up, stand up, up to the test of time in a somewhat all right way. And I guess there's always the possibility, being so creative, that in time you may end up developing other projects that might be more suitable to come out under your real name. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. I mean, the thing I like about the weather station is it's a bit open. So there's been several changes in sound for the weather station, and I like that it feels like a project instead of just me, which is nice. Well, it's interesting you make that segue, because I did want to talk about the difference between your last album uh, which mm -hmm. you produced yourself, mm -hmm. um, I think, in Montreal, right? Yeah, yeah. But the album before, Loyalty, uh, you went to France to produce with Afi Jervin and, and mm -hmm. uh, Robbie Lakritz. And, you know, the, mm -hmm. the interesting thing is often when, you know, particularly with Bahamas doing so well, um, yeah. 
you tend to think, well, people suddenly make the, the leap to start to work with people like that. They don't necessarily want to go back and, you know, work on them on things themselves themselves unless they really want to actually you know have the control have the dominion over everything you do mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. what was your motivation to to come back and do it differently was it to really try and put down a mark of this is where i am at this time like for this last record yeah yeah um yeah i mean i felt really lucky to have worked with Ashi and learned a lot, a lot from him um and Robbie, but when it came to doing this record, I mean, Afi was actually involved in the beginning, and then it, it sort of became apparent that I just, I had too clear of an idea for what I wanted to do to really entertain a collaboration, and um, with this past record, I just had this really clear idea, and I just wanted to realize it, and Afi was kind of the first to, to tell me that. He was like, you want to produce this record, so I think you should, and he was totally right, Um and it wound up being a really great experience for me to to take the reins and just make the decisions and to embrace embrace my own decisions as as being the right ones, whether or not uh, they were objectively right. But just just make my own calls and 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 end it there. So over the years, you mentioned you know you started off with the line being your determined <laughs> first record. You went yeah, on. Yeah. Onto all of it was mine, which I think really started to put you on the map in 2011. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I certainly think 2014's "What Am I Going to Do with Everything I Know?" the EP that yeah. came out then was absolutely fabulous. Oh, thank um, you. And then and then loyalty. The interesting thing about the Weather Station album, though, is you describe it as your rock and roll record, and I think <laughs> people could come to that and be expecting something completely different. Mm -hmm. um, but to you, you feel pretty clear that this is like what rock and roll means to you. Can you explain that a little bit? Well, when I say that, it's slightly a joke. But, you know, I I came at it from a totally different perspective where I think loyalty especially is like, it's a pure like vulnerability record. Like it's, it's it gains its strength from how vulnerable and emotional it is. And the self-titled record came from a very different emotional space of, even though it's it's very lyrically vulnerable as well, it's it's coming from a spirit of, kind of a bit of a devil-may-care attitude. And, and confidence is sort of the primary emotion that I was drawing from. So that's what I meant when I said it. My, my rock and roll record, I would talk about that a lot in recording, even though we weren't, you know... I mean, there are a lot of electric guitars on the record, but, you know, we weren't trying to rock hard. We were just trying to break the mold of what I had done before. Yeah, I, I, I always think it's cool when I talk to artists and they explain their motivation behind what they do. There's also, I, I think that the self-titled album also, you know, um, taps into the angst of the age. I, I want to steer you back to the album just now with another mm -hmm. song. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, you, you've got tracks on there, you know, like um, 30. And, you know, one of the things mm -hmm. that you are really known for is the way you put your lyrics together. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, one of the cool things I think about artists is when you can actually you know, go to the album and read the lyrics. And if the lyrics stand alone by themselves, and yours quite clearly do, mm -hmm. um, because of their, you know, their lyrical prose. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about how you go ahead and write a song? Uh, I have a terrible process that makes no sense. I'm working on it now. But um, yeah, I mean, with this, with that record, especially, everything was sort of an improvisation. I just play, I'd, I'd put, you know, record everything that I, that I sang, and I just sort of 
sing whatever came out of my mouth and then almost like interpret it after the fact and try to make sense of what I was trying to say. And um, all those songs were just these very long, drawn-out processes of like there being reams and reams and reams of words and trying to decide which ones went where to kind of try um, try almost to tell a little bit of a story, but not really. So like my songs... I'm usually trying to express some sort of meaning. I'm usually trying to express an idea or a thought, and uh, I, I will pull in, you know, real-world things to try to express that. But but the purpose is is meaning, I guess. And <laughs> yeah, my I also do pay attention to how the words work. You know, I, I I want all the lyrics to connect and to make sense as an as a as a whole thing. And I do pay special attention to how they how they sit on the page, how they read, because that's important to me. But yeah, I I always want every lyric to to make some sort of sense, even though the sense is like metaphorical and poetic. I guess. Oh, very um, very poetic. I guess yeah, that's yeah. gets that gets back to that thing that you know these lyrics really do stand by themselves which which leads to the next question is mm-hmm. are, are you ever going to write a book or have you written a book or poetry i mean is that something you've done in the past um i'd like to i'd like to i think that's sort of somewhere i'm going i mean i i have been writing a book about about lyrics actually and about like how lyrics work but that's a bit um my own vanity project but uh I would like to write a book. I think that's like my, I imagine it as my future, but it is, um, songs have this ease in a way where they, they hem you in. Like it's actually really difficult to write a song because you just, you have to fit the words into the melody in the song. So you don't have free reign. You can't just put in anything. So I think if I was faced with an empty page and no song to guide me, it would be overwhelming at first. Bearing in mind, we had the the conversation about the rock and roll record. One mm-hmm. of the things I always am fascinated about when people ask you about your influences, they mm-hmm. always seem left field as well. And I kind of wonder whether you're being <laughs> a little playful there too, because you know when I listen to your music and the way you write, mm-hmm. I mean, I think of lyrical songwriters. I you know, okay, yeah, more natural, you know, most naturally. And I'm curious as to which songwriters would be the people that you would would say influenced you. Yeah, I mean, I think like everybody, I'm influenced by Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen. I mean, they're kind of like the two guys that, you know, sort of are at the heap of the castle <laughs> in in very different ways. Like, I feel like Dylan is so, it's so nice to return to him as someone who just sort of, his lyrics are always surprising and always interesting. And then Leonard Cohen is like the master of economy and precision and He's amazing. But, you know, honestly, like some of my biggest influences coming up were people in Toronto, like people that I know personally, like um, I was really into the Constantines lyrically. This guy, Stephen Lamke, who is a friend of mine who was in the Constantines, his lyrics uh, affected me. This guy like Richard Laviolette. There was a ton of records. Oh, I love Richard Laviolette. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful lyricist. Oh, fa- um, well, it's just wonderful conversation with Richard as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There was there was a lot of people within the Toronto music scene who I was affected by. I mean, Jennifer Castle even. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy Ryan Driver, like Alex Lushevsky. There was a crazy Sandra Perry. There was a crazy bunch of amazing lyricists kind of around playing as I was learning how to write songs. So. Those are the people that influenced me the most. I mean, I don't think I really sat down and listened to Bob Dylan with the same depth as I did, you know, the Constantines, for example. So 
you know, those people were were some of my biggest influences. And lately I'm more I've been getting more into like song craft as an idea and so I've been listening to a lot of like country music and stuff like that and sort of admiring that that lyricism which is very different than what I, I do. So you've not mentioned Joni Mitchell's name. I, I've got to, you know, ask whether, you know, it's almost like, OK, we, we'll stay away from even, you know, talking about Joni because, you know, <laughs> she's someone obviously, you know, if you look at the way her career changed and progressed. Yeah. There are certain similarities in the way that you approach your career. I mean, yeah. Do you think about Joni as an influence at all? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Joni just, just sort of looms large. Like, I can't really escape her influence and... You know, it's funny, like, when I was in my early 20s, I actually, like, really disliked, like, I vehemently disliked Joni Mitchell. <laughs> it seemed so, it was like, it seemed so everything I didn't like. It was so funny. And, um, but I think that's in part because it's just like, I can't, when I open my mouth, like, people have been telling me I sound like Joni Mitchell since, like, I was a teenager, right? So I can't, um, I can't escape it. I mean, I think she's a genius. And, like, I really love, like, Court and Spark and Hijira. In particular, those are probably my two favorite Joni records. But it's so funny. I mean, it's so funny when you just are like a thing, like like the self-titled, like I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe that people were still comparing it to Joni Mitchell. And then I was in a cab somewhere and I heard a song and I was like, oh, that's what, it totally sounds like Joni Mitchell. <laughs> like, I just didn't get it at the time that it did. I just, uh, I felt like I was trying not to sound like Joni Mitchell, but I still did. I think it's just, my voice and the and like having more words in the song than like baby baby you know like she's very wordy in the way that she sings so there's that and then just like being a soprano singer like having a high voice and using the way that she uses melody you know like I have the same instinct to use melody because I'm not a very good guitar player so <laughs> I want to use what I got um but yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, like she's not my favorite like lyricist in all these certain ways, but she's also amazing and has has paved the way for so many people to come along. Well, it's great. Yeah. We great. I feel so much better having had that conversation with you because it <laughs> almost feels a bit like the elephant in the room if you don't bring it up. No, I know. Yeah. But but well, at the at the yeah. at the same time, the way that you write and you know the way that your lyrics kind of flow. And I mm -hmm. read something that you said that often you end up with more lyrics than you can possibly oh, sing. Yeah. Way more. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you yeah. know I I I think it's you know I I get off on being able to talk to cr creative people and. Uh, that's why I'm so much enjoying this conversation just now, because it really comes through. And I, I do encourage everybody who's enjoying the weather station, if they're not already doing it, and probably mm -hmm. most people are, really check out the lyrics. Go to the website at theweatherstation.net, <laughs> and yeah. you can check out the lyrics for the next song, which is Complicit, mm -hmm. which is a very interesting song, because I guess we're all complicit. But I wanted to give you a chance to, to talk about the motivation behind writing this one. Yeah, well... I mean, I'd been wanting to write about climate change somehow, and I couldn't figure out how to approach it, you know, like, because I think it's so complicated. And, you know, like everything else I've ever been trapped of, how do I write it? How do I write about something? You know, you have all these expectations about how you should write about something. And then one day you just start writing about how you actually feel. So I felt, I just found myself writing about all my frustrations and darkest feelings about 
about climate change and like where the world is today. And, uh, you know, and at the time I wasn't politically active at all and wasn't doing anything (laughs) about it. And I just wrote about this sort of feeling of being trapped and the song doesn't have any solution in it, which is okay because that's, that's how I felt at the time. But, uh, yeah, I just sort of put in a lot of separate moments within that feeling. (laughs) Yeah. It's a great song, and I I have to say, it it really captures that feeling that, you know, we all know something needs to be done about some of the things that are going on, but Mm -hmm. then there are other times when all you can do is, you know, is to hug someone you're with, and, um, you know, because it's just, it's almost overwhelming. Um, It is, yeah. You know, and we have to do something, and I guess it's when the moment comes when you realize you have to do something, then that's the time to to get up and do it. Let's listen to that song just now. This is The Weather Station with Complicit from the self-titled album. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
That's the weather station with Complicit from their 2017 album of the same name. Tamara Lindemann from the weather station as our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. We're chatting about her music. So I always have to ask the question, what happens next? You sound like you're always thinking about different things that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. New album, you starting to think about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean... uh I have some dates actually in April um, that I'm going to get started on it. And uh, I'm actually might try to make two records because <laughs> I have in the past songwriting has been so kind of dysfunctional for me that I, you know, I've gone into the studio with only 14 songs or so. And this, this year I kind of figured out my process better and I have way too many songs, which is the first time that's ever happened. So yeah, I'm feeling pretty positive about making some new music and being home for a while because um, I toured a lot on the last record. So now that I'm home, I have time to write, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm up to. When you say two records, does that mean this will be two records with distinct flavors? I think so. Yeah, it feels like two different records from each other. So we'll see what happens there. That's a, that sounds a very exciting, I have to say. That, mm-hmm. that, 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 sounds, that sounds wonderful. So you're going to be playing at Roots North on mm-hmm. Saturday, April the 27th. That's in mm-hmm. downtown Aurelia. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we talk a little bit about the live experience? Sure. Uh, what can people expect when they come to a weather station show? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's interesting because for, for the, you know... The, the tour of the self-titled record, you know, I had a band and it, it sort of did become a bit of a rock and roll band. It got kind of loud and I played electric guitar. But, you know, that, that touring cycle is over and this is sort of a one-off show kind of existing in its own space. So I think I'm going to do quite a few things. I, I heard there was a piano in the space and it was a seated theater. So I'm going to play some new songs, some quieter songs. I'm going to play, I'm going to sort of do a bit of, more of an overview of some of my earlier work and then some of the rock and roll, not rock and roll, but some of the songs from the self-titled album and uh, perhaps some new songs. So it'll be a bit more of a songwriter show than than it's been for the last year and a half. So it's going to be a solo show? Uh, no, I'm going to bring a band, um, but it's not going to be the same band as as was touring with me for the last year and a half. Well, the St. Paul Center is a beautiful venue, so I'm sure it's going to be a, a wonderful space, as you say, for a, a songwriter showcase. Mm-hmm. You're also, I think, going to head down to Canso, Nova Scotia in the summer to play the Stan Rogers I am, yeah. Folk Festival. You must be pretty excited about that. Yeah, I am. You know, I'm a big fan of Stan Rogers and... Um, it's funny, as we're talking about Aurelia, because I just read Gordon Lightfoot's biography. I feel like uh, Lightfoot and Stan Rogers and all these sort of Canadian folkies are are like in this funny way part of part of my heritage that I can't escape and in the best way. So I'm excited to uh, I'm excited to play the Stan Rogers Fest. I'm, I'm stoked about that. I should have asked you when you were mentioning the two albums that you're producing. You know, we mm-hmm. we're all adjusting to this new world where streaming seems to be dare I say, trying to take over everything, including yeah. radio. But, mm-hmm. you know, those of us who 
I've been doing radio for a while. We'll continue doing it until we drop. But mm -hmm. I'm always curious when I talk to a performer who says, well, you know, I'm going to make two albums. You don't think streaming impacts your ability to put out your art in an album format rather than focusing just on the songs? You know, I think I still kind of exist in a different, I'm not, my world isn't fully the modern world in that, you know, my label in the States is, is their audience's record collectors, for example. So people still buy my albums and consider them as albums. I mean, I think my fans tend to be many different ages, actually, um, all over the world. It's, uh, I'm not, I'm not like the latest, I'm not only existing in the new buzz band youth world. So I think for for young, you know, if you're like a young so, like a young pop singer then yeah, you don't need to make a record, but for me I'm still I'm still existing in a world where people are listening to the records as a whole and I am also. So yeah. yeah I was going to say it sounds like there's an old soul within that 30 plus year old body. Yes, yes. I don't uh I don't feel like I'm uh completely in the modern era but luckily i think a lot of people feel that way also so i'm not alone now that's great it's been wonderful to talk mm -hmm. to you today we've got one thing mm -hmm. left to do and that's pick the final song to play i thought we mm -hmm. would play impossible from the self-titled album uh, oh, yeah tell us a little bit about this song it's interesting i've been thinking a lot about the theme of this last record versus what i'm writing now i feel like you know in playing the song complicit yeah, I feel like the last record was sort of my attempt to become comfortable in the world as it is. You know, I mean, impossible. I was thinking of sort of all these various situations that seem impossible and how I just got used to them at a certain point <laughs> and, and how interesting that sort of aspect of human nature is, you know, to get used to the impossible, something you thought you could never deal with and then you, you can. But I feel like I... I now feel very differently about a lot of a lot of these things um where I feel like it's um you know in talking about climate change you know it's it's interesting I've been thinking a lot more about how actually we shouldn't get used to the impossible in a lot of ways and how that um that's something I'm actually fighting back with against in my in my life now but this song is yeah this song is from the the zenith of getting used to the impossible though i guess in the song it's slightly it's slightly sarcastic perhaps i could i could say that um that maybe maybe it wasn't all right to be used used to the impossible if that makes sense i think it makes a lot of sense i love the way yeah. that you you're honest about you know that you know your lyrics uh you know have depth they're certainly not trite and mm -hmm. and they express i think a lot of the feelings that we all have that you know life is complicated you know, we have to yeah. work our way through. Tamara Lindemann, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. This is The Weather Station with the song Impossible from their self-titled 2017 album. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. And thanks again. Thank you.
I managed all the details I made all those phone calls And I wrote up all the emails And straightened out the front hole It don't matter It made no difference All through our disagreement There was a cardinal on the fence Put no walls around me I will lay the stone 